Well, good morning, friends. So good to be with you here today. It's so good to also greet those who are watching in Fellowship Hall. The Lord be with you. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord, to be with one another, and to hear his word for us today. We have been working our way through the book of Acts over the course of this summer. If you're new to Community of Grace, that's okay. Every one of these sermons is up online. You can check in on them at another time and and catch up with where we are today. But at the same breath, You're always welcome to be here and to just receive what God has for you specifically today because there's a lot to cover within the book of Acts. You could actually call the book of Acts something else. You could call it the book of action if you wanted to. And if you need a Bible this morning in order to follow along, we are providing those right here with you with the ushers going down the aisle right now. If you need one, please just raise your hand. That'll help you to be able to follow along with our message today as we continue our study in the book of Acts. The book of action. There is so much going on in this book. People are always going. People are always moving. People are always changing and shifting, listening to what the Holy Spirit is calling them to do. Why are they so busy? Why is there so much action happening? Because God has a mission. God has a mission, and it was given to his son, Jesus Christ, and through Jesus, it is given to us, and it's declared in the book of Matthew, right towards the end in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. What a mission. It's going to take a lot of work, isn't it? Yes, it's either. Everyone wants a rhetorical question. Sometimes it's one I like a response to. That's good. It is. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of work to accomplish such a grand mission. Is there any possible way we can do it on our own? No, we can't. We need God's help. We need his presence, and we need his presence in a very particular way. It's through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and that's exactly what Jesus promises his disciples Just before Pentecost, he is gathered together with his disciples, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. We talked about that great commission and that great empowerment to accomplish the great commission. Those two portions of it from Matthew and from Acts. We need all of it because otherwise this is an impossible mission. But through God and through the power of his Holy Spirit, all things are possible. That's what we've been describing this journey through the book of Acts. It's mission possible because of what Jesus has done for us, because of his sending of the Holy Spirit to us, because of the empowerment that we receive to follow through on his mission, going out to all the world, making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has taught us through his word and trusting his presence with us through the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful gift. What an incredible challenge and what a journey we have been following along are. Now, I always want us to think as we look back to the book of Acts, it's easy for us to look backwards and say, well, you know, we've had 2,000 years of time to kind of take in this message. We know what's coming up next. It's like me sitting down with my kids and, and watching the Star Wars movie for the first time. It's like I know everything that's coming up. I've got the whole story pretty much memorized. 
And I can walk through it, and, and for the first time, their eyes are kind of opening up and seeing things and, and being blown away by amazing action, and I'm going, oh, just wait, just wait. I know what the next one's going to bring, what the next one's going to bring, and, and then I also know that there's three really lousy movies that are going to come after that, and then, yeah. So, so I mean, I just, I, you, know, you know it all, kind of in, ahead of time. We have that backwards vision about the book of Acts. But for those who are walking through it, this is all new. And for us to have that sense of newness in what God was doing, that sense of adventure, that sense of action, that sense of just following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it's exciting, it's dangerous, it's scary, it's wonderful. And I want us to take in that type of experience as we walk our way through this journey. A big part of this journey has been following along with some characters. And it started off with some characters like, like Peter and John who were there at Pentecost. And then Peter began preaching and teaching. And the next thing you know, the, the church is born. And they're out continuing to do this preaching and teaching about Jesus, telling the story of Jesus out in the streets in these places everywhere they go. And the numbers of Christians are being added to them every day as they repent and are baptized, come into the family of God. It's a miracle, and it just keeps going on and on. And they met in homes, and they were together in these homes with one another, and miracles were happening. People were being healed. People were being restored through the power of God working through these disciples. And it went on from Peter and John to, to more people, to people like Stephen and Philip, those first disciples who were, who were called deacons. They were ones who came alongside and were called out to help with some of the additional work that needed to be done as the church kept growing. And God started doing miraculous things through them as they preached and taught and shared about Jesus. And, and God would speak directly to them. And they would get a vision about something they were to do and boom, off they would go and do it. And God would meet them there. And the word started to spread from out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and started working its way towards the ends of the earth, at least the known places where they had been and to unknown places where they had yet to go. The gospel was going ahead of them. The message was getting out. And then we came to this character named Paul, right? Paul, who was formerly Saul, the one who was, who was persecuting the church terribly, but had a miraculous encounter with the living, resurrected Christ who called him to himself, challenged him to repent of his persecution of him and the church. And Paul became the greatest missionary of all, the greatest messenger of all, of bringing the gospel everywhere he went. And he started off full speed, friends, brought together with somebody named Barnabas, an encourager who walked alongside him as they took their first journey out into the areas just north of Jerusalem and north of Judea and north of Samaria, up into these wilderness areas, these different places where there were Jewish synagogues and, and gatherings of Gentiles who were non-Jewish people, and the gospel was going out and everybody was receiving it. Well, not everyone. There was a lot of persecution happening there as well. But the message kept expanding and kept growing. And people kept coming on to Paul's team, and some of them would be on Paul's team for a while, and then some of them would shift off like, like Barnabas was there for a season and then he stopped being there with them because they had a disagreement. Can you imagine that? A disagreement in church. <laughs> Stunning. Two leaders who didn't get along. Not a possible, right? But God even used that. He even used their brokenness and their humanity to make sure that the message got out by bringing new people alongside Barnabas and new people alongside Paul one of those new people was a man named Silas. 
And Silas was from Jerusalem, and he was a well-respected leader. And he, and he came along with Paul up to Antioch and with Barnabas and, and with John Mark. And they were all there together sharing this important gospel message and another important message from the church in Jerusalem. I won't go into all that now. You can read that for yourselves. But it was another important piece being added to the message, a reminder of how important it is that this message of Jesus not just be held for the Jewish people, but be expanded out to all the world. That even those who were not a part of the Jewish family could be brought into God's family through the power of the Holy Spirit and the message of the gospel. So then Paul and Silas began a journey. They went from Antioch and they worked their way through Lystra and Derby and, and all these different kinds of areas where they journeyed. And while they were up there, they, they met somebody named Timothy and Timothy comes along and joins them on their mission. And from there, they go up and they try to get into Bithynia. And they try to go into these different places, but they're not quite sure. And well, that's kind of where we catch up in Acts chapter 16. With this interesting story of what happens with this journey of Paul and Silas and Timothy. And it begins right in chapter 16 at verse 6. And I just want to read this passage to you. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him. Come over to Macedonia and help us, he said. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, if you're a little confused and wondering kind of what's going on right now, I'm with you. I understand. Sometimes we need a map to get an idea of what we're talking about, because these are a lot of different areas that none of us have probably ever visited, and many of them don't even exist in the same way today. So I want us to take a look at a map. We're going to put this map up on the screen, and it's going to kind of bring us onto this journey. So let's take a look at it right now, right up on the screen. Here we go. We get started on this journey, and here we are in Antioch, okay? right up in Syria, and from Antioch, that's where they followed this purple line up to Derby and Lystra, and then up to uh, Bithynia and coming by the pace of Asia. But here you see they take this kind of detour around Asia, wind up at Troas, and then from Troas, they jump across the Aegean Sea, and they wind up in Philippi and Neapolis, and they journey on down to Thessalonica and Berea, and then they keep working their way further south. They go down through Athens and then over to Corinth. And then from Corinth, they take a long journey all the way back over to the shores of what's called uh, Asia Minor now. And they wind up in Ephesus. And then they take a journey all the way back to Caesarea and to Jerusalem and then all the way back up to Antioch. What a journey. This is called Paul's second missionary journey. And I wanted you to just get a taste of what that journey was like. It was a lot of miles to cover on foot and by boat. But we come to this interesting passage that's easy to overlook, where they're leaving from Antioch and they're going up to Lystra and Derby and they meet young Timothy and they decide that Timothy should come with them on this journey. And they're journeying through this area of Asia Minor and as they're journeying there, they're getting ready to go in and do what? The mission. 
Do exactly what Jesus has been telling them to do. Go there and proclaim the gospel. That's what they've been doing all along. And they've been going and going and going, and the Holy Spirit says, nope. Well, that's kind of strange, isn't it? That all of a sudden on this journey, the Holy Spirit would decide when they're just doing the work of Jesus to stop. So they don't go into this region. Instead, they continue on on their journey and find some other towns that are outside of this area. But then again, they get to the border of a place called Bithynia, which is all in this Asian area, and they go, well, all right, now we're ready. We're ready to go in. And it says there that the Spirit of Jesus stopped them and would not allow them to go. Do you think that might have been a little confusing for Paul and his companions? I sure think so. When you're going on the mission, you're going exactly where you think you're supposed to go. You're following exactly where you think you're supposed to be going. And all of a sudden, God says, nope, stop. And he doesn't give you a clear word about what's to happen next. So they continue their journey and go on to Troas, which is right on the far northwestern corner, right on the edge of the agency. And they wait there because they don't know what they're going to do next. And that's where God gives Paul a vision. He gives Paul a vision in a dream in the middle of the night. He has this vision of this man from Macedonia. Where's Macedonia? Right across the agency. Right across into that area we would call Greece today. He has a vision of a man there who is on his knees begging for someone to come and help them. And from that place, Paul and Timothy and Silas and probably Luke joins them to go on this journey across the ocean to make their way into Greece. And from there, they continue on that journey, as we saw, all the way around Greece, meeting in different places there, meeting different people. The stories will continue on here in the book of Acts. We're not going to obviously cover all of them today, but you can see by reading for yourself all these different places where they travel and all the different people who they encounter. But it's easy to overlook this little spot where God says, stop, wait, wait and see. Wait and see, for those of you who have been parents, or for those of you who have been children of parents, know that those are two terms that basically mean no. Right? Right? I mean, let's be honest. Anytime you were there with your kids, or you were a child going, hey, Dad, you think that we could go to the zoo today? And if the response was, well, let's wait and see. You know what that meant, right? No chance. That's how you interpreted it anyway. There's no way. No, this is not going to happen. It's just a polite way of saying, no, not going to happen. But here God is truly calling the apostles who have been on this journey going exactly where they thought they were supposed to go, doing exactly what they thought they were supposed to do. And God says, wait, not now, not in this place. I have a different plan for you but you're going to have to wait to see it. You're going to have to wait and see what it is that God has as the vision before you go. And Paul and his followers, those who were part of his 
contingency making this journey were filled with faith and with trust. So they were willing to stop and to wait and to listen, but it couldn't have been easy. Now, why do you think that God would have kept them from going into these areas and and changing where the mission would be? Well, could it be because he didn't have the right people? You see, the people who were there with Paul, as I described before, keep changing. One time he's out with Paul and with Barnabas, and then he's got John Mark with him. And then the next thing you know, Barnabas and John Mark go, well, you know what, we've got a different journey that we need to go on. It's not going to be on your journey. So they go off, they go someplace else. Paul makes his way back down to to Jerusalem, and and down there, sure enough, Silas comes along. And Silas is going to join him and kind of take Barnabas' place on this journey. And so they make their way up north, and, and as they're making their way up north, they come across this young man, Timothy. Now, he had probably met Timothy on his first missionary journey up there, and now Timothy's a little older. And they're impressed with this young man, Timothy. There's something about Timothy. He's got a zeal for the Lord. He's got a, a passion to be an evangelist. We learn all about this later on because Paul writes two letters to Timothy, doesn't he? Two letters to young Timothy a young pastor, a young leader of the church. But this time, he's just a part of the crew, and they bring him on board in Lystra and Derby. They gather him up and say, you know what? You're supposed to go with us on this journey, Timothy. Why might Timothy have been called to do this? Well, Timothy was kind of unique. You see, Timothy's mother and grandmother were Jewish, and he had been raised in the Jewish faith. But his father was a Greek, And it doesn't say anything more about his father other than he was a Greek. Well, it doesn't mean just that he spoke Greek. It meant that he was of Greek descent. It meant that he very well may have come from Macedonia. So here you have this unique man, Timothy, raised to be a follower of God, whose mother and grandmother were not only Jewish, but became converts to Christianity. And a father who was Greek... And they bring him on board. It's time for Timothy to join the team and make their way up and follow this path of the yeses and the noes. And then they get to to Troas and and they meet somebody else there. It's very likely that that's where they met Luke. Anybody heard of Luke? Big book that he wrote called Luke. (laughs) Another big book that Luke wrote is called Acts. Luke and Acts. They weren't written at the time that Paul was going around here. Luke was with them, learning the stories, hearing the stories, encountering what God was doing through Paul and these other people. And because of that, we have more than half of the entire New Testament put into place because Luke joined them, Dr. Luke at Troas. And they continued their journey. And they they journeyed to places like Thessalonica. Does that sound familiar? Well, yeah, because that's where Paul wrote two letters, First and Second Thessalonians. He didn't write them there. He wrote to that church later after he had established one there. And how about Philippi? Well, that's where we get the beautiful letter to the church at Philippi we know as Philippians. Beautiful, amazing message of joy and of working through every circumstance and finding God there. And they made their way down through Athens and down to Corinth. Corinth, hmm. Two letters, first and second, Corinthians. 
and then a travel back across the sea to come back to the shore of Asia to a community there called Ephesus, where Paul would write a letter to that church called Ephesians. Do you see how much we owe to what it is that God knew in advance he was going to do that would have never occurred to Paul and his followers? Because God wanted to make sure that he had the right people in the right place at the right time. And we don't necessarily know what all those things are, do we? Paul didn't clearly know, but he followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And as he went along, the right people were joined to him. And as they continued, they wound up in the places where God called them to go. And the timing was perfect because as they made their way across the ocean and got to these places in Philippi, they met People like Lydia, the stories that we're going to hear in the future. These are credible encounters with these people in these different areas that were ripe and just waiting for Paul and the message of Jesus to come to them. The right people at the right time in the right places. Folks, we can see this now 2,000 years later that they had to wait and see what the Holy Spirit was up to. And what the outcomes were in Paul's letters and the missionary journeys and Luke's entire gospel. But they didn't see it at the time. Friends, let's talk about what's obvious to all of us today. We've seen an awful lot of change in the last few weeks, haven't we? A lot. It's been more change than I've experienced in six weeks of ministry in my life. And it's easy in those times to go, what on earth is happening? What's going on? God, where are these people? You, you had these people who had been with us on this journey, and now they're being called into another journey. Did we do something wrong? And what about this timing, Lord? Here we, here we are. It's right at the start of somebody who we've been waiting and praying for to come here, a new senior pastor, and, but... But what's, what's happening? That's a different person who wasn't here before when we were doing our last part of the journey together. And what about this place and this time that we're in right now? I mean, this time is a time of rapid change in the culture, isn't it? Things are changing so fast around us. Sometimes we, we don't take time to just stop and listen and find out what God is up to. Friends, I believe with all my heart that God knows what he is doing. And I also know that I need that because I don't. I trust God. I know that whatever God is doing is good. And I follow in those footsteps. And the only calling that I have for you as your senior pastor is to be the first follower. Don't follow me because I have some great grand vision. Because you know what's fascinating? Is it doesn't say anything about Paul having an amazing vision about what Paul wanted to do, does it? No. Paul waits to see in Troas. And the vision that comes to him is a vision of somebody in need. That's the vision that God gives. I said this when I first came here with you, my friends, and this isn't to make this all about me. It's just to honor where kind of time it is that we are in in the Lord right now, and it's a time of waiting to see. We're going to wait and see what God has for us next. We're going to be urgent about it, but it's not an emergency. There's a huge difference 
between urgency and emergency. Urgency is a sense from the Holy Spirit that we're not done yet. It's a sense that God has people he wants us to connect with and see and know and share the good news of Jesus with in the power of the Holy Spirit to see lives transformed and brought into his kingdom. There is an urgency in that, friends, because there are people who don't know yet. And they're right here in our community. And they're right here in the Twin Cities, and they're right here in Minnesota, and and in our region, and in our country, and in our world. They're everywhere. And there is an urgency we should have in the Holy Spirit that says, we don't rest until we know, Lord, that you have accomplished your mission. Because that's what you called us to do, to bring it to all the world. But it's not an emergency when things change. Because things will always change. And God has a particular place that he wants us to serve as a congregation. Because he's brought all the right people here, friends. Look around you. How do I know that this church has everything it needs to go forward into the next place that God has us? Because I look out here. We are the people we've been waiting for. Right here. We have a mission, and we have a God who has called us on this mission. And we need to trust in the Lord, trust in the Holy Spirit, give gratitude for what he has already done, and then give time to wait and see before we are tempted to just act and move. We must wait and see and listen. And in that spirit, I want to invite you personally to come and join me on August 21st. We're going to have an evening here, friends, where we're going to wait and we're going to listen and we're going to see what God is up to. And it won't be like a one-night thing. This isn't going to be a, hey, let's all get together and in an hour together, we're going to figure out everything that God wants us to do. No. The reality of it is we need to keep listening. We need to keep learning. We need to be a learning church, a community of people who are willing to learn from the Holy Spirit about what it is that he has next for us. So I want to invite you to be there. Come on the 21st, 6.30 p.m., for an evening of listening and visioning and seeing what it is that God is up to. And it's not just going to be you sitting in the pews listening to me talk. I promise that. It's going to be all of us together listening to the Lord, sharing with each other, writing some things down, and then taking time to just discern, just listen Ah, friends, I tell you what, it is going to be so good, so very good, because God is so very, very good. And where might God call us? Well, you know, you can take a look at this map. This one's a little more familiar to you. There's White Bear Lake. There's the Twin Cities. There's all those dots of communities and roads and highways and byways and rivers and lakes and everything else that's around that. We don't know specifically where God is calling us to do the ministry that he is wanting us to participate in for the next season. But I guarantee you this, in all the things that change, because God is always changing us, there are things that will never change. The gospel will never change. Jesus is not about to change. He is Lord and Savior of us all. The God-man who came, lived, died, and was risen to new life. For our sake, the God-man, 
That will never change. And his message of salvation will never change. And the exclusiveness of the gospel will never change. And its inclusion for anybody who has faith will never change. Those things can never change because so much changes around us. We must hold on to those things and let God put wind in our sails to carry us wherever it is that he would through his Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's come to him now in prayer. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this journey you've had us on. Thank you for your peace that fills us and sustains us. Thank you for your word that speaks to us throughout all generations. And thank you for the guidance of your Holy Spirit that we can trust that when you put on the green light, it's time to go. And when you put on the yellow, it's time to pause. And when you put on the red, it's time to stop and wait for the next thing to come. We know it will come, Lord, but we want it to come in your time, in your place, with your people. Lord, speak that truth to us today. Speak that truth to us on the 21st and continue to speak that truth to us every day of our lives as your people called to be your church, your body in the world. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.